You're listening to the Global Ed Podcast, where educators share inspiring and thought-provoking stories from around the world. In this episode, I speak with Reza, who lives in Bantar Gabang, which is located on the outskirts of Indonesia's capital city, Jakarta. Bantar Gabang is one of the largest landfill sites in the world, with mountains of rubbish soaring 15 stories high and with over 7,000 tonnes of rubbish arriving each day. The local community live in small roadways that have been cut into the mountains of rubbish and in houses that have been built from what they find in the landfill. The families that live there earn money by sifting through the rubbish, looking for materials and items that can be sold. It is within this community that Razor started an organisation called Seeds of Bantaga Bang, or BGBJ, which provides employment and education opportunities for young people. The school which Razor started runs in a part-time capacity and is held in open-air classrooms staffed by volunteers. Welcome to the Global Ed Podcast, Razor. More than 10 million residents, the capital city of Indonesia, Jakarta, has to deal with the production of mountains and mountains of trash. The solution in 1989 was to open the Bantargabang landfill site, which is in the Bekasi district to the southeast of the country. In the 1980s, the 200-acre site was covered in housing and rice fields, but now it's an endless mound of garbage that's one of the biggest in Asia. Most of the 7,500 tons of waste produced in the city each day is sent to Bantargabang, and the site is currently estimated to contain as much as 42 million tons, which in some places is piled up to 130 feet or 40 meters high. The original plan was for the material to be managed in a sanitary way, but now it's a virtual free-for-all where trash is dumped wherever possible. Razor, you grew up in Bantargabang. Um, tell us what that was like. Yeah, growing up at the landfill is uh, like it's uh, challenging for me as a child and also for my brother. And then, uh, but uh, you know, like before, before it was really nice village, like surrounded by the rice field and also farming area, bamboo, and like traditional houses and really beautiful. And uh, it's not landfill until the landfill expand to our place. And then you can imagine as a child going to school like. Uh, walking in the morning among the 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 mountain of rubbish is uh, is uh, not not safe, you know. It's um it, it's hard for me to imagine what it must be like to grow up uh, living in a place which is just surrounded by uh, rubbish. Um, did you play on the mountains of rubbish? Did you go up on them? Did you work on them? Um, what was it like? I climbed the mountain like quite often with uh, I mean the mountain of rubbish quite quite often with my friend like because I accompany my friend to find like food there like a mushroom or watermelon like because the watermelon grows uh at the landfill I mean like on the mountain but then uh my parents really strict especially my father he told me like you cannot eat the food from the landfill wow so people obviously um ate food which they found on the landfill but um, beyond that, uh, what was it like living there? Um, what was the housing like? Um, what was it like to grow up there? Living in Bantar Gebang, like you can imagine this uh, mountain of rubbish with really intense smell. Like uh, it stinks. That's how people describe. It's filthy. And then the house, the houses where people live uh, at the landfill, like the house, like they made out of uh, stuff, material they found from the landfill, like the wood, the turf, the carton, 
and then also some of a uh, paper like the, the 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 like a cupboard and then that's that's what people use to build the their house and also like uh the the floor the floor is not uh, made out of cement but the floor is just the the ground they just cover with the plastic Sounds like a pretty challenging place to grow up. Um, but for the adults, I mean, what do they do? How do they um, how do they earn a living so that they can support their families? Well, uh, for for the men, for our parents, it's really a tough life. And then uh, they have to uh, climb the mountain. They have to go to the mountain of rabbits to uh, pick up uh, valuable stuff like plastic, a can, a bottles, uh, anything that they can uh, sell. So uh, as a child, I mean, like based on my experience, yeah, we really enjoy our life as a child. But, you know, as parents, they need to feed the family. They need to provide the house for the family. And it's not an easy life. For the West speaker or the distress hero, they climb the mountain of rabbis like, uh, like uh, I, can, I can say it's 24 hours uh, uh, working. But they have a ship, you know, like some people, like they go to the landfill, like early in the morning, like six o'clock and going home at five or six o'clock in the afternoon. But there is also people going in the six o'clock in the afternoon, coming back five or six o'clock in the morning. For these um, waste pickers or trash heroes, as you call them, uh, I mean, this is not an official industry. This is uh, people just climbing up onto the mountains of rubbish who are... Um, just scavenging um, in amongst everybody else while uh, excavators and um, trucks are delivering more rubbish and moving it around? Uh, working there uh, is not safe because also some people get injured as well when they work because uh, they work like really close to the excavator. And then, uh, yeah, it's excavator, right? Yep, yep, so, excavator. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes like uh, when excavator try to leave uh, the the waste to move to another uh, area, and sometimes like there is a, like a piece uh, like a wood beam, and then uh, it's fall, and then it hit the the trash hero, the waste picker, and then they get injured. And also sometimes people got I don't know like what they got uh, like maybe heart attack or like because of the methane gas. And then, like, they just, like, their friend thought that they're sl he's sleeping, but he's not sleeping. He passed away, just, like, uh, on top of the mountain of rubbish. So, like, the, the, the life, the work condition, working condition is not, uh, not uh, pleasant, you know. It's, a, it's, um, it's a difficult and also it's a bit it's a dangerous. So, um, Reza, what's life like for the children who live in Bantar Gebang? So, like, the life of the children in Bantar Gebang, I think it's just similar like other children around the world. Like, we also play, for example, we go to the, uh, to the football uh, field, like soccer field. We play football and then we play also the very traditional uh, 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 games in Indonesia. And then, like, like hide and seek. 
and also we doing that as well and then so many things and then we play with our uh, with our friends and uh, yeah if we see deeper the life of children in Bandagbang is really what i can say like the condition is miserable but but uh, the kids in Bandagbang they still know how to uh, be happy they look so happy and then uh, if if you ever visit one day you will see like they really like they really know how to embrace their life like not complaining all the time for example like we uh they found like we found the the barbie on the street next to the landfill we take it home we clean and we play like with the limited resource or with limited uh, uh what we have and then we still can make uh make fun out of it and then we still can be happy. I know one thing that you did for fun when you were a child was to slide down the rubbish mountains. Is that something that the kids still do? Yes, and then also uh, the children play on the rubbish mountain and then we often, uh, they, they do like, what do you call it? The sliding, like from the top and then we go down and sometimes also like we got injured also sometimes because it's not safe, you know. Now, Razor, you are affectionately known as the Princess of the Dump. Um, where did that nickname come from? Uh, I got the name Princess of the Dump. It, actually, it was bully at school. My friend called me that because my shoes, sometimes it smells like cat poop. You know why? Because uh, in, in front of my home is the, the landfill area. So like on the road. There is a leachate. When, uh, when the water, when the leachate like uh, stuck, I mean like, uh, for example, the rainy season, and then I will bring the smell on my shoes to the school and then like my friends start like calling me, ah, oh, you are princess, like Putri Pembuangan Sampa, or princess of the dam. And I say, yeah, I'm sorry, kids. Sorry, my friend. Yeah, it's smell. It's my shoes. And then you know what? I took off my shoes. And then I, I'm just like, at school, I'm with barefoot. I don't, I don't wear my shoes. So I don't put it on. So, uh, yeah, actually, it was bully at school. Then, for me, it was okay. Like, from, uh, from, from Banter Gebang, then uh, I can use this uh, nickname to uh, inspire other people, inspire the young people as well. For example, like, people always feel, uh, what do you call it, like, it's not confident, and then they feel like uh, very shy, embarrassed with their condition, their situation. But for me, like, just use something, uh, yeah, for example, like this uh, misery, and one day you can uh, come out of the, the misery, but you can use yourself to motivate other people, to tell other people, like, no matter how difficult the situation now, as a child or as a young people, but one day, as long as you believe in yourself, one day you will you will see something, something different. So that's that's my motivation in life. We're going to move on and talk a little bit about the school which you started. But before we do, is school something that the kids want to go to? The kids not really. They're not really into school, to be honest. And then they only like enjoy playing a lot because also they don't get motivation from the parents to go to school. And uh, as normally what happened to the kids is like the parents only told the kids like, ah, 
this school is not important. And then it just waste uh, time, waste of time, waste of money, and better just like join us to the landfill or just play at home because the parent doesn't want to uh, pay for the books because you know like at school like even uh, uh, the parent need to pay for the what do you call it like like assignment but there is like special books for it I don't know what you call it in English uh, I think you probably so, mean like textbooks. Yeah, some textbook and then uh, like for the tour, like the, the school always have it. And then like swimming, another uh, another fee for that. And then the parent like really like, oh, like better just stay at home. And then lack of motivation from the parent, it just make the kids love to play. They don't want to think about the future. And uh, we just, you know, like this is sad because how to cut the cycle uh, of a poverty if we just let this happen for example we want we want uh, our nation indonesian to be a big nation and then have the uh, bright future but what we need to do like we have to uh, think and pay attention on education and i think like to get better education and also uh, will provide a better life for uh, the ch- uh, the children in the future With a strong, growing economy, the future should be bright for 57 million school students in Indonesia. But the education system here came last in a global report measuring schooling standards. If we were given the chance to learn more specific, I think we would be better than this. We're lacking modern techniques to engage uh, students to have that willingness to study. Raisa, I know that you went to school. Um, how did your experience frame your thinking about opening up a school in Bantar Gabang? I got a good education until high school. But these people in Bantar Gabang, they don't get what I got. And I said, maybe I should give back to community, to the people, because my parents got the money by buying stuff from the uh, Trace Hero uh, people. And then I said, like, I should give back to these people. That's the start, 2004, after graduate from high school. You could have done lots of different things to help your community, but what was it that made you focus on young people and specifically um, the idea to open up a school? So the reason is uh, because uh, my <clears throat> my experience where uh, when I couldn't uh, continue my study and then it was... Re- uh, it was hitting me really hard. Then, then I'm thinking like maybe I can use my uh, skill, my knowledge, and then share with uh, the children in Mandergebang. That's the first uh, uh, reason. So that's why I set up the school. And at the beginning, it was only using, uh, you know, like uh, there is like a house, like belong to our neighbor. And then that's the first, the first uh, time uh, I, 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 I share my uh, knowledge with the children there. And then after that, the owner want to use the house and then we move to our uh, terrace. That's uh, the, the first uh, journey of uh, teaching uh, in Bantar Gebang. Tell me about the setup of the school. Um, how do you organize um, all of the classes that you offer? Yeah, we spread them by the the age, like from uh, five until eleven, like same. 
and then from 11 until 14, 15, or 16, they're together. Two for now. Actually, like uh, it will be ideal for three uh, classes, but we can't do it now. We don't have enough space. I hear you saying that you've run out of space. How many children actually have come to your school since you started it up? From 40, 60, 70, 80, 100, 130, 150. So like before we got uh, affected last year by government, and then in our home, we have like around like 148 children coming together. But the diligent one who, who come for study, only around 70, 80 children. The rest is coming for uh, lunch and also for sport. But for me, that's okay. Your school is probably quite different from uh, many schools around the world. Um, when you considered um, the needs of the children and what you would teach them, uh, what were some of the skills that you thought would be really useful for them? skill they learn is uh, uh, how to read, how to write, and also sport and uh, dancing, and also uh, about the environmental education. And also, uh, we do also gardening and cooking with the kids. Gardening and cooking, that sounds great. Um, how do you go about teaching them those skills? So like uh, gardening and cooking, we teach them how to grow their own food. And then when uh, it produce the, for example, the vegetables, and then we cook together. So they really love it. So sometimes we, we, we cook together and then we teach them like even like a, a simple food, but it's uh, uh, with a uh, protein and healthy. I know that one of the subjects that you're really keen to teach at the school is English. Is there a particular approach that you take to get the children interested in it? So this is uh, more like uh, what they use in the daily basis. For example, like uh, we want to do this uh, football match. And then before that, we give vocabulary in English. So the kids know like uh, uh, balls or the field or shoes and then like this vocabulary. And for example, we want to play Uno and we teach them like the color, like green, red. So like some, like something simple. And then we have this also upcycle workshop where we uh, make our product out of the reclaimed material from the landfill, reclaimed wood and also rubber. Then uh, people order from us. The way that you um, staff your school is quite different as well. Um, where do you get your staff from? We have a volunteer. They come from uh, around the world and uh, stay with us. So uh, the kids, like, you know, like at the beginning, they don't, they don't really confident to say hello to foreigner. And then uh, after a while, because like every week they will see like a uh, uh, foreigner in our place. And then the kids just like, hello, 
uh, what is your name? Where are you from? And then they start communicate and then with the vocabulary they got. And also sometimes they use Google Translate as well. So they communicate each other and then it was really, really a good uh, experience for the children in Bandar Gebang. And um, what are some of the challenges um, that the volunteers face when they're teaching in the school? So sometimes when we don't use a microphone and then we have to like, uh, like um, increase our voice. But uh, yeah, the kids, the kids, uh, you know, like uh, when we teach and then sometimes also the kids not always pay attention. But sometimes, yeah, we try our best and then uh, we use the microphone sometimes, but not always. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's the experience. But I like I like it. And also for some volunteer, they don't get used to teach them, uh, in front of 50 children. And then they, they told me it, it was exhausted. It's amazing that you've been able to find volunteers to come and run the school. Did you think that it would be uh, difficult to get them to come and do this? At the beginning, people told me, like, who going to come and stay at your hostel? No one will come because it's thing. You know, like at the end of the day, a lot of people contact us. A lot of people want to stay. And some people stay five months, four months, three months. So they, they want to uh, dig and uh, deeper about like life at the landfill, like for the research and also for their own experience. You know, like some people from Europe, they feel always unhappy, grumpy with uh, their life. And then when they come to Bandar Gebang, they see people happy. Even living in that uh, difficult and uh, like limited resource, they look happy. I know that you've got one rule that you're really strict on uh, with the children. Could you just tell me what it is, please? So we teach the kids not to beg anything from uh, our guests. Every guest coming to BGBG, um, make sure 100%. There is no kid will beg for money. Hey, Gavin, give us uh, 100,000. No, they will never do it because we teach them. Kids, it's okay. We live in Bandar Gebang, in Bandar Gebang, but we are not beggars. Do not ever beg to the guests who come to uh, BGBG, who come to our place, who stay with us. If they share something with you, and then you, you can... I take it and I say thank you. I suppose um, by the very fact that you've got a rule about not begging, it tells us something uh, about the community there. Do you ever find that there's a conflict between uh, the kids attending school, uh, but also being available to the family to help them pick rubbish to earn money to live? Sometimes there is a clash with the, with the parents. Like, for example, we support the kids to go to school. But the parents doesn't want to feed the kids anymore. So the parents will uh, force them to stop schooling and then ask them to get married. So I want to have this dormitory so where the kids can live there and then they can go to school. After school, they have activity uh, at the BGBG. But I don't know. It will, it will, uh, it will uh, give me more responsibility. But uh, for something good, why not? So I will, I will try to, to do it. What are some of the success stories that you've had with students from your school? So the success story, I got some students now already working and then have a family, have a better job, and then they build a house already, they have a car already, and then, yeah, it makes me happy. Some of them also, they graduate from university as well. 
and then some of them now in uh, Medan working for the boarding school as well and then some uh, some student like already uh, moved to another uh, province in Indonesia as well so it's make me happy actually but uh, also you know like uh, there is also story when I met uh, a student and then she barely uh, talk she barely talk like uh, but she she tried to to speak in english when she asked like what is your name she will ask like, what is your name but now now when we met she already know how to speak in english like like a proper like what is your name where are you from and very confident this is also for me like a successful uh, story the success story and then uh, yeah Success is not always about like having uh, materials like house or uh, car and a family, but I mean like to see the kids like uh, being confident also make me feel happy. That's great. What would you say the kids appreciate most from going to the school? So the kids uh, appreciate coming to my school is the love that they got at our school. Because when they come to our school, they can say hello and then hug me as well. So that's the most uh, amazing uh, thing that uh, they got at our school. They feel loved by me and also by our team at BGBG. You've been in the community for a long time now. What would you say you've learned from the things you've done and the experiences that you've had there? What I learned for the last 19 years of doing this activity in Bandar Gobang it's made me really feel uh, how to become a real human, how to be grateful in my life, how to see things uh, deeper. So that's what I learned. And also, uh, like, if people ask me, like, are you happy to do it? And I said, yes, I'm happy. Because, like, I was surrounded by a lot of people around me and with love as well from the children in Bandar Gebang. So I think this is the best uh, thing that I did in my life. For example, if I die tomorrow, I will never regret for uh, what uh, I have in Bandar Gebang because uh, I use my life to give back to community. And then uh, this is really uh, the biggest love that uh, I, ex I experienced in my life. Despite the problems facing Indonesia, the Southeast Asian giant is advancing rapidly and is on a trajectory for global economic power and influence. Its rise, along with many other developing nations, will certainly serve as a focal point for the coming century. As we finish our time together, Razor, could you tell me the hopes that you have for the young people of Bantar Gebang, the community, and for Indonesia? I, I, my hope for the young people in Bantar Gebang, I hope they can see their hidden uh, potential and then they want to uh, upgrade their knowledge. And then I hope they can see there is uh, a future. And then I hope they can see Bantar Gebang not the end of their life. So this is what I really hope. But, you know, sometimes to translate what I hope into a sentence is really difficult. But I try my best to keep uh, spreading the word to the, the, to the children. Like, there is, there is nothing impossible in this life. 
and then I really hope these children to be really really the seed of uh, love the seed of Bandar Gebang the seed will grow as a big trees and then will give benefit to our country Indonesia Thank you very much, Razor, for sharing your story on the Global Ed Podcast. I wish you, your students and your community all the very best into the future. Next time on the Global Ed Podcast. Well, that's the end of season one of the Global Ed Podcast. I really hope that you have enjoyed listening. I'd like to thank each of my guests who have given their time to share their stories with me and with you. If you or someone you know has a story that could feature on season two, please feel free to contact me, Gavin Kinch, through LinkedIn.